0: This is Taylor Talk, the number one Taylor Swift podcast, brought to you by TaylorTalk.org. Hey, 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 everyone, and welcome to episode 193 of Taylor Talk, the Taylor Swift podcast. My name's Adam. I'm Diane. And I'm Steve. Diane and Steve, how are you guys feeling?
1: Exhausted.
0: Alive. <laughs> You're alive. You guys left me hanging last week. You were a bit sick.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's... you
0: sick little people everyone it seems to be going around right now so healthy wishes to everybody out there listening um steve while you were uh out sick we got a uh, an email from sky who wants to try and stump you Uh oh Uh oh it's a good little review here it's kind of an
2: older question question regarding older material is that is that because i'm older is that why this is
0: i don't think it had oh. anything to do with that okay so, this is what Sky had for you, Steve. What were the two songs of Taylor's that appeared on the Hunger Games soundtrack?
1: Oh, that's easy. Well,
2: Easy for you to say.
0: Um, Come on, Steve. I told Steve. you, it, it's easy, but it's old. So, it's that like one of those things you old. might not remember off the top of your head.
2: Well, is Eyes Open? Was that one of
0: them? There's one. Ooh. Oh, boy.
2: Do, 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 you can do, do it. Do. Oh,
0: sorry. Wrong wrong theme tune. Um do 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 do.
1: Don't Google That's true. Uh. No, There's
2: no Google involved.
0: Steve, it's... the other one is safe and sound. Oh. Yeah. Now you remember, right? Yes. Yes.
1: There was a Facebook quiz I saw a while ago where you had to type out all of Taylor's Songs that she released for radio, and it was so hard i, I oh yeah, it would failed. like time you right yeah. to see how many you could get so it's just hard to you know like think back at at certain things sometimes going um,
0: way back in time, yeah um, it is way back in time, I mean, safe and sound came out roughly four years ago, almost four years ago this winter.
1: I was still in college then
0: were you working part time waiting tables?
1: I was working at Panda express if that counts.
0: No. Okay. All right. So, Sky, you did, in fact, stump Steve. Nice work. Good job. Um, if, if anybody out there wants to stump any of our hosts, uh, you know, send questions to our individual emails, either um, adam at tailortalk.org, steve at taylortalk.org, or diane at taylortalk.org with the question, answer, and preferably the source of the material to make sure it is accurate. That would be very helpful. See if you can stump any of our hosts. It'll be kind of fun. Give it a try. Sound good? Good. All good. All right. So, news and tour updates. A lot's been going on on the 1989 tour. Over the past couple weeks, Taylor has added to her list of big-name guests, having the band Perry, Sydney Sierota. does anyone know how to say that? The girl from Echo Smith. Uh, and Dirks Bentley joined her on stage. Then most recently, in Nashville, Taylor brought out Steven Tyler to perform I Don't Want to Miss a Thing.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Oh, my gosh. Allison <laughs> um, Krause to sing... When You Say Nothing At All. Do you know that song, Steve? You're a country Oh, yeah. Guy.
2: That's, that's, that's a great song. Steve likes it.
0: Leona Lewis to sing Bleeding Love. Mick Jagger to perform Satisfaction. I can't get no who.
1: I bet all Sad. the parents um in the crowd were so happy to see Mick Jagger. It's
0: funny you said that cuz earlier tonight shortly before we recorded Taylor tweeted a YouTube video somebody caught apparently their grandmother took them to the concert their 72-year-old grandmother and this person filmed it put on YouTube grandma like freaking out like oh my god oh my god oh my god when Mick Jagger was out there so That's awesome. Um that was pretty funny. And then finally in Nashville, she also brought out Taylor Talk episode 178 guest Kelsey Ballerini to sing Love Me Like You Mean It.
1: You say that like Kelsey Ballerini is known for being on Taylor Talk. Taylor <laughs> Talk <laughs> special guest, Kelsey Ballerini.
0: She was our special guest. <laughs>
1: I know, but it's
2: just funny phrasing. It was not a funny phrasing. <laughs> yes, well, it w- it was it was putting it into a certain light a certain way there was leanings towards on certain things but yes i mean i have a feeling that um her song going number 1 probably had a lot more to her success than being on taylor talk but she whoa, was on taylor whoa, talk which is whoa, whoa. Very let's look important. at the
0: order of things happening here steve <laughs> she was on taylor talk before that happened and then all of a sudden she became really famous okay. obviously okay okay yeah. right. we'll go with that Either way, I was just kind of also subtly plugging episode one seventy eight. If anyone wants to listen to our guest interview, um, Kelsey Ballerini. So
2: the key word subtle. <laughs> it was subtle until you guys blew it up.
1: Yeah, but yeah, but now it's now it's good. Okay, now it's going. a thing. Yeah. All right. Also
0: in the news, Ryan Adams' nineteen eighty nine cover album is now available for sale. According to Adams, he created not a reconstruction or reimagining of Taylor's nineteen eighty nine, but rather a quote parallel universe it's a very interesting version i think and and very different from the original so uh be sure to check out those previews on itunes and if you're totally into it then go ahead and click that buy button
1: so how is he able to do this and not get in trouble for copyright infringement?
0: I would imagine paying royalties to Taylor on the sales.
2: That would probably be a part of it. But here is Which one interesting little tidbit. About it. Yeah, you Remember the whole Spotify and Taylor taking all her music off of there? Mm-hmm. If you do have Spotify, you can listen to Ryan Adams' 1989.
1: Oh, that's funny. So you can listen so to that So
2: that, that's the only way I can listen to to the songs is ha- well the ownership
0: rights must be different in some respect but i don't claim to be a music industry business person so i would have no idea
1: steve have you heard ryan um adams version of 1989 uh, i have yes what do you think What's I, your I like it
2: i i like a lot of ryan adams i have a lot of his stuff on vinyl so that's kind of what i'm patiently waiting for actually on his website they talk about that they're going to release it on vinyl at some point in time as soon as they can secure when the release dates will be. So once we find I that out, we'll share that. I heard that. Um, the creation of the album. I mean, if I'm
0: being entirely honest, I really don't like this, his version.
1: I don't like it either. But
0: um, my question is, do you like Ryan Adams to I've begin never with? heard of him before. Yeah, I hadn't either um however in the show notes we should link to a very fascinating rolling stone article that talks about the creation of this cover album and it's got a lot of interesting tidbits in there where he was ending his own tour and just felt like i guess a stroke of inspiration to kind of recreate taylor's music and initially was not um not planning on releasing it for sale he just wanted to create it kind of for himself um and for taylor he sent it over to taylor herself and taylor really liked it and apparently people surrounding him also really liked it and they kind of encouraged him that he should release it and so that's how it came to be hmm. i thought that was interesting very cool i also thought it was interesting that the article mentioned that he and taylor actually wrote a collaboration together Which and one? it was it was never released oh. Uh, they didn't mention the title or any other information. All they said is that Taylor came to him with um, a song that she had begun to write and wanted his input on it. So they kind of busted it out and uh, put a song together and it just was never released.
1: The Lost Mysterious Song. Ooh.
0: But uh, that, that also could mean
2: future collaborations on the next album.
0: Um, It could. I mean, maybe it had to do with, I don't know what the timeline was. He didn't mention the timeline of when they worked together. Mm-hmm. However, um, maybe it was recent enough where it could have made it on to 1989, but Taylor just felt it didn't fit the sound. You know, the whole, like, this is my most sonically cohesive album ever. Right. Um, If this didn't fit the sound, she wouldn't have wanted it on there, and maybe she's saving it for some other something. The- I don't know.
1: The thing that's kind of scary is like when when Taylor puts out an album, she only has spots for a certain number of songs, so it's so it's just sort of weird to think that she has all these songs that she never puts out that could be hits that no one knows about. They're just somewhere collecting dust.
0: I don't know if they're physically collecting dust because I would imagine they are in digital format. Yeah, but but do you know um, what
1: I mean? Like it's just they just never get a chance.
0: Um, yeah, but, you know, sometimes weird things happen. Isn't it? Isn't it Sparks Fly that came out by fan demand? She
1: performed it once and then fans really, really liked it. So then she
0: put it out on on her next album. Yeah. Yeah. So you never know whatever happens with those songs or what she plans on doing with them. So I guess we'll find out in the future. But again, you know, Ryan Adams 1989 cover album is available for sale if anyone's interested. If that's your thing. Steve likes it. Diane and I not too huge on it. But, um... It's up to you for your taste in music. Now, moving on to what we were planning on talking about today, the September 25th or 2015, I can't speak, (laughs) September 2015 issue of Vanity Fair. Now, I know it released online roughly a month ago. Um... But it's still September, so it's still fair game. We can still talk about it.
1: And that doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It still matters.
0: No, it's got a lot of great information in there. And these magazine articles, these like long profile pieces that are done on Taylor, tend to always reveal some really cool information. So it's always definitely worth talking about. As far as I know, it should still be on newsstands. I don't know why the September issue would no longer be on newsstands when it's still September. It
1: depends on if the October issue's come out yet.
2: I would say the October issue will be out by now. Yeah. No. That's the, that's and, uh, the they always Um, but keep it, it is it
1: online, Um, and I think I got a copy of it at Whole Foods. It's in my stack of Taylor things.
0: Yeah. <laughs> stack of taylor stuff yeah um yeah so let's get talking about that article it's broken up into many sections and for those of you that have been listening for a while you know that we tend to avoid the gossip and the details of taylor's personal life here on the show and focus a lot more on her music and things surrounding her career so those are kind of the sections we focus on um starting with the title of the article itself taylor swift apple crusader hashtag girl squad captain and the most influential 25-year-old in America. I would actually argue to say she's the most influential 25-year-old in the world, but um, We that's don't just know me.
1: all the 25-year-olds in the world, so kind of hard to Yeah, say. but
0: if you don't know them, how influential could they be?
1: Yeah, but I don't know the pop culture of other countries.
2: Oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. Maybe she's the most influential any age in America. That's a possibility, too. Also depends on your
0: definition of influence for that matter, Steve. Um, I don't know if she is necessarily as influential in certain areas as, as maybe, say, like the president of the United States might be. Yeah, but who Trump? has
2: more Twitter followers? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Twitter followers. But, um, <laughs> I mean, she's definitely got more influence in pop culture
2: yeah,
1: than
0: okay. uh, someone like the president would. But I think in, um, what's the word, international policy, I would think the president might have a little more influence than she would. I don't know. We're totally on a tangent. (laughs)
2: It's
0: kind of funny. You guys don't care. Uh,
1: I, I care a lot.
0: That's why we're having this conversation. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. All right. Let's jump into it. So it opens up with kind of an introduction paragraph that follows very similar format to many of the other profiles she's done in magazines like this where, you know, it's just the author telling the story. I met Taylor in a cafe and she was wearing this and that whole spiel. Um, and it definitely discusses her friends and personal life. And like I said, we try and avoid that. But something worth pointing out from that section is that Taylor says her friends know everything, but they know everything, but none of them are talking. So every time you read in a tabloid, a source close to Swift says, she says it's completely inaccurate.
1: Well, of course it is, because I feel like the stuff written in those cheap, trashy magazines are just like creative writing. Like They just pull things out of the air and say, oh, well, a source close to Swift, because that could be anyone, and they don't have to prove it.
0: Right. Well, I just want to point it out, because we've quite often had discussions like this before, because people present us with discussion topics, and they'll be like, hey, you guys should discuss Taylor and Calvin's upcoming wedding and their baby they're having. No. And it's like, well, what's your source? Oh, it's in this magazine, and it says that a source close to Taylor said it, so it has to be true, right? No.
1: Well, even if that was a thing, we wouldn't talk about that.
0: Well, right, but that you're missing my point. No, I'm, I'm just pointing out the fact mean. that Taylor confirms that all of those are complete Crap. BS. So yeah. um, that was just worth pointing out. But jumping into later sections, the second section is called Hit Parade and actually does talk about her music. And her accomplishments. And and that's really the type of stuff I like to talk about here because it's just what we do, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Now, she said again, which we even mentioned earlier, this is the second time in a large publication. She said that she feels it's the most sonically cohesive of all her albums. I couldn't be more proud of it. Now, the first time we had a discussion on this was about a year ago when the album had, well, it it, was almost a year ago when the album had just come out. And it was our initial impressions. Now we've done reviews of all her songs with the exception of How You Get the Girl, which we'll get to. But we haven't done that one yet. (laughs) Uh, But we have done reviews on every other song on 1989. And I want your guys' opinion as to whether or not the album is still, in fact, the most sonically cohesive. What do you think?
1: That's hard to say. I mean, part of me feels like Taylor keeps saying the phrase sonically cohesive because it just sounds good. Um should be
0: like a business cool word. It
1: it, is- it yeah, it's such a cool name phrase or whatever. Um, but I think it's hard for an album to be sonically cohesive because you don't want um everything to sound the same because that's boring. Um but, but I don't think that's I think what she it sort is. of maybe like plays with the same, I guess like sound themes, I guess. I I don't really know how to explain it. Steve, do you have something you want to say? My
2: my best understanding of it is I I think it's kind of the broader picture of the world we live in now with everyone purchasing just a single song. The idea behind the creation of this album was to create it so that all the songs would work well together, meaning that you would want to enjoy the whole album start to finish. Oh. So, which
0: makes sense because in our original speculation even before the album came out we've tossed around the idea of it being a concept album telling one larger story by using smaller stories within each song and sure enough we were actually accurate on that prediction.
2: Cor- correct. Think of it as listening to music on vinyl. When you put on a vinyl record, very rarely do you just go, well let me skip to this song that I oh, want to listen to. You can't. You <laughs> can. You can see the lines on there. You can skip to the right song, but really albums are supposed to be enjoyed beginning to end and that's what i think she was trying to do on this album and i think she succeeded really i guess the easiest way to to ask you if this is sonically cohesive or not is do you skip any songs when you listen to the album
1: Adam yes. does he skips shake it off every time and i get so mad
0: I do i skip shake it off um i, I tend to you skip get this the girl love off. Not because I don't like this love though, oh, just like because like when I'm jamming in the car, it's just not the right tempo for me. So, so um, uh,
2: but I would have to agree to some degree on that. With "Shake It Off" is really probably the least sonically cohesive song of the entire album.
1: Yeah, I think it is. I I think it definitely sticks out too. Yeah.
0: It does stand out, and it stands out not just in sound, but also in theme. It's
2: a much simpler song lyrically than any other song on the... Lighter,
1: good for radio.
2: But but sometimes that's a good mixture on an album because, as Diane was saying there, if all the songs sound very similar, you're going to get bored of it. You kind of have to have that. You know, a lot of DJs, one of the things they always do is they have, here's a slow song. Okay, mm-hmm. now we're going to raise the tempo a little bit, a little bit more, yeah. a little bit more. Okay, now I'm going to bring you back down again. That's, That's how true. you make a successful album or you know something along the lines of that. But it, it does seem kind of out of place. So I, I think if there is a lack of sonic cohesion, it is Shake Ooh. It Off.
0: I like your use of cohesion, Steve. <laughs> Sonically cohesion, or sonic cohesion, whatever you say. <laughs> <laughs> just um, let Steve say the big words <laughs> let Steve say the big words he's the smart one on the show um, so <laughs> playing on that sonically cohesive bed, I mean I think one of the important things to consider is did it also accomplish what it set out to do and what other people, critics and things are saying it does in that it's got an 80s sound to it
1: I think some songs do but then again I don't. I'm not really I don't know a lot of songs from the '80s, so I can't really comment on that. Um, I think I uh, the song "I Wish You Would" to me sounds most '80s, but then yeah. that's also because it sounds like, you know, I don't know, it just sounds like it is.
0: Well, you know what I just thought of also something that's interesting about that comment and the idea of this being the most sonically cohesive of all the albums, is you have "This Love" written by Taylor, right? Mm -hmm. several of them written by taylor max martin and shellback um a few of them written by taylor and jack antonoff Mm -hmm. you have taylor and emotion heat so you have i mean taylor is in fact the common common thread through all of them but there are still different writers throughout the album whereas speak now has only one and that is taylor herself um, so why do you think maybe that this one may have been the most sonically cohesive in her mind? Like, is Speak Now not sonically cohesive?
1: I think maybe being sonically cohesive could have been one of her goals for for this um, album. And Whereas Speak Now, she was younger and maybe that's just something she didn't think about. So maybe it was just sort of more intentional intentioned this time. Yeah, more intentional this time.
0: Um, uh, that's possible. I just, I, I just question this comment sometimes when I, when I hear it because you know, shake it off. Obviously, we mentioned, um, and clean. Clean sounds like an emotion heap. Am I even saying that name right? Imogen. Imogen. I don't know. Sounds like one of her songs. It does. Um, not necessarily one of Taylor's. And the first time it struck me like that is I played it for a friend of mine who is in fact a musician and that's a big fan of, emotion heap or however you say it, and. The first time I played it for him, without playing him any of the other, he's like, wow. He's like, that sounds just like, yeah. He's like, I would have picked that up in two seconds, that it was Emotion Heap co-writing that.
1: You can just tell. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so it's far more in line with her style
2: than maybe the traditional Taylor music. Yeah but but just having different writers is not going to you got to think of the album as a whole not so much the individual songs the the little tidbits about each song is important but how one song plays into the next plays into the next that's the important part of making it cohesive
0: i guess i just i i don't know i guess from a listener perspective a fan perspective i i don't
2: always see it but we'll let, most let me, of the songs, yeah, but there's a few like oddballs. Well, um, well let me g- give you my version of it. So let's think back to, to Speak Now, for instance, I think is a good example. I when I listened to Speak Now, I enjoyed the beginning of the album
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it kind of about halfway through I kind of lost it.
1: Uh, like, which song?
2: Well, usually about after the story of us. Okay you because know, then it's never grow up enchanted better than revenge innocent haunted last kiss and long live that last part of the album just comes to a very slow sometimes meandering to me Mm -hmm. like i like like i like the songs individually but the way that they're ordered and speak now i kind of get bored with the end of the album the beginning of the album i love you know, you have um, Mine, Sparks Fly, Back to December. It's kind of yeah, a little those are all slow really it down. Songs. Uh, Speak Now is still kind of there. Dear John, Mean, The Story of Us. You see it build back up in tempo, and then it kind of falls apart after that. You know, perhaps
0: this sonic cohesion concept is something we're just not picking up on because we're not musicians ourselves.
1: Yeah. Um, and then something I also wanted to point out, too, she didn't say that her album is a sonically cohesive she says it's the most sonically cohesive and i have so to then agree that, with that 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 definitely um allows room for air in songs that might not sound sound like, the rest shake, it like are, shake it off like shake it off
0: are you saying taylor was very specific with her word choice <laughs> there? yes there was i just right.
1: i i just got that now after we talked about it for like 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's okay no at least we got it out there and we can move on yeah. now um also in hit parade there was an interesting quote i pulled out Uh, from Jack Antonoff he says I think that her importance her being Taylor I think her importance is sort of endless she's the biggest star but she's also making incredible art it's a perfect storm
1: Hmm. yeah
0: Um, I think it's really just interesting because when you put those two pieces of the quote together her importance is sort of endless like the way I interpret that is he's talking about her importance in the music industry in a world where like, songs have become just hit after hit after, like, let's just make garbage that sells because we want to make as much money as possible. Mm-hmm. Taylor is keeping it very artistic.
1: Yeah. So, she is able to be the largest star, but she's also making art, which I guess is sort of unheard of, right?
0: And what she's doing for the for music as a whole. You know, people quite often comment on her impact on the music industry, which, of course, we'll get to a little bit later, because, of course, that comes up in the Vanity Fair article. Um, But no one ever comments, really, on her influence in music creation. At least not that I see too often. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's why he's saying, like, her importance is sort of endless, because, uh, dare I say, long after we're all dead and buried, because it's going to happen... Um, It's depressing that her music will continue to influence musicians of the future and they'll be able to turn to her music and and draw things out of it and see things she did. And it'll influence the future of music even long after she's gone.
2: Yeah. Yeah, That sounds good. Mm -hmm.
0: So I thought that was kind of cool. Next section. Section three, quote. Apple Watch is what they called it, which is kind of funny because there is, in fact, an Apple Watch. Um, And it discusses the whole Apple Music incident, if you want to call it an incident, where Apple Music, for their three-month trial for their new users, was not going to pay a royalty to the artists. Taylor wrote a letter on Tumblr, an open letter to Apple. Apple changed the policy. Something I found very fascinating about that is that Swift Bing Taylor... I'm like reading it from the article, and they always call her Swift, blah, 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 Um, from, from the author, Taylor told him that even after Apple's policy reversal, she didn't immediately make that decision to put 1989 on there. She was waiting for the indie labels, Merlin and Beggars Group, to commit to Apple Music before she followed suit. She was seeking... Or, uh, not seeking, but she was seeking their guidance, I guess. Not, is that the right word? She was following their lead. And
1: I guess she, too, just wanted to maintain that she's part of their group. You know? She didn't want to be like, oh, I'm the only one that matters. If I decide it's okay, then it's okay.
0: Well, that was the interesting part of it. I was like, oh, that's nice. Taylor's totally, like, practicing what she preaches and supporting the indie artists. Until the article pointed out that as large as she is, Taylor is actually an independent artist herself. She owns her own masters and has control of all her distribution. Mm. Mm. So she is, in fact, an independent artist by definition. So that was really fascinating part of the article to me. And it's just interesting how well she keeps in touch with the lesser known artists. Does that make sense? Kind of?
1: Wait, yeah. indie? Does that mean independent?
0: Yes, but it's not necessarily the definition you're thinking in your head of independent. Um, Because like Merlin and Beggar's group that she was talking about, they're indie labels. So they're record labels for independent artists. So it's from what I understand. And again, I'm not a music industry expert by any means. But from what I gather from the way this is described here is it's just a different business structure for independent artists. They just have more control over their music.
1: Right, okay.
0: Um, that makes sense. That's what it seems like. And I hope the author of this article is in the know and clear on that, because that's who I'm citing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's my source.
1: I hope the source is credible.
0: Um. Yeah, see, now, and I had to fanboy a little bit, too, because um, Taylor said... I found it really ironic that, you know, when comparing this Apple incident to Spotify, I found it really ironic that the multi-billion dollar company reacted to criticism with humility and the startup with no cash flow reacted to criticism like a corporate machine.
1: That is a slam at Spotify.
0: Oh, it sure is. And it's a compliment to Apple. If there
1: ever was one. Oh, my gosh. That's bitter. I've never really heard her say anything like that before. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, she doesn't like Spotify <laughs> very really much. really harsh. She, she doesn't like Spotify very much um, at all. I, so I just wanted to throw that quote in just for fun. Um, but the important part of it is when they were speaking about Eddie Q, who is Apple's senior vice president, um and he said that Apple had actually already been discussing paying artists for the trial period after initial criticism from the indie labels. But that Swift's letter accelerated their thinking. <sighs> um, so he spent time talking to Apple CEO Tim Cook about it, uh, giving him thoughts relatively quickly, and came to the conclusion that paying the artist was, in fact, the best way to do it. Um, and And so it's just... You know, just sort of setting the record straight, because I know a lot of people are like, Taylor took down Apple. And it's like, well, there were a lot of cogs in the machine working at that particular moment. One of the lesser reported facts is the fact that earlier that week, Scott Borchetta was meeting with Scott Borchetta being the president of Big Machine Records um, and CEO and founder. Um, He was already meeting with Eddie Q earlier that week.
1: Right. So it was already and something that they were considering. It was just like Taylor's was. Sort of like the, okay, we'll do it.
0: Yeah, Taylor pushed them over the edge, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they were like, okay, yeah, no, that's right. That's the right thing to do. And that's one of the coolest parts about Apple and the way they work and why I like to support Apple Music, and Taylor likes to support Apple Music and things like that. I actually used to work for Apple, and there was always an inside joke among employees there. And mind you, employees are treated very well there. But there was always an inside joke that when you leave the company – that you get promoted to customer
1: <laughs> That's because cute.
0: at at apple the customer is always number one and in this case they really did they reconsidered their initial thoughts because where the initial idea came from i would think is that they probably you know crunch numbers spreadsheets did that whole thing and figured oh here's the way we maximize our profits right <laughs> without speaking to people first and then after speaking to people, after speaking to the indie labels, after speaking to Scott Borchetta, after speaking to Taylor Swift, then they're like, Okay, you know what, it might cut in our profits, um, but this is the right thing to do.
1: Right. Um speaking of supporting Apple Music, have any of you signed up for it?
2: I I'm still using Spotify.
0: Adam, do you sign up for it? What? Um I haven't only because I'm too poor for their ten dollars a month.
1: Um I signed up for the trial period, and I don't use it. So I think I'm going to cancel it. But, yeah. Why don't you use it? Because the only time I ever really listen to music is in the car, and that's not a time where I want to stream things from my phone because that's going to make my cell phone bill skyrocket. So I just listen to the radio um, in the car or podcasts that I already have on my phone. Right. That's that's just what I do in my life. Uh. That's actually more
0: or less the same reason for me. I don't listen to music anywhere except in the car.
2: See, I, I listen to it at work and also at home. It kind of helps me focus and that kind of stuff. So that's actually why I have Spotify, because they make a lot of pretty quality playlists, because yeah, I do like to listen to albums from time to time, but I also mm-hmm. like music that is sonically cohesive together, in a.k.a. Oh. a playlist, so... Good use yeah, of but Steve, you
0: can't listen to sonically cohesive music on Spotify because it doesn't have 1989. Well, yes, it th- but it has well, Ryan, it has Ryan, Adams, Ryan Adams, Adams on there. That
1: is sonically cohesive if you've ever heard.
0: Something. <laughs> that is sonically cohesive. It all sounds the same to me. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Ryan Adams' cover, but it is sonically cohesive. That is right, correct. There
2: you
0: go. Um, So next section in the article was called "Friend Indeed," and, and it discusses how she responds to tabloids and dating. Which I, I just kind of want to skip over because I don't like talking about that stuff. It's not really relevant to her there's, career. There's her nothing music. you can really
1: say. Yeah. No,
0: not at all. Um, section after that is Family Gal. That one was kind of a review of what we know. Like, she's close with her family, and her family's very supportive of her career. Duh. Beautiful. Like, we know. It's very sweet and very sentimental, and definitely that section's worth reading on your own. Uh, but not much to discuss there that we haven't already discussed.
1: Do other artists, do their parents come to their shows? Like Probably Taylor's not to the extent
0: Taylors do, where they're at every single like, one.
1: Yeah, like, Taylor's parents are at every single show. People know who they are. People go up to them. And I haven't really heard, like, or is that common with other people's minds? Uh, I
2: think it depends on where they're at in their careers and that kind yeah. of stuff. I mean, in some cases, you have people that are trying to make it on their own and you know they may be getting money support from their parents to continue their dream you know Taylor's to a great point now where she can actually support the family that supported her early on and not everyone has that that option
0: Steve you saw the Grateful Dead right like in
2: Chicago yes I did did were their parents there Uh, out in the crowd I'm gonna have to say probably not because that was their 50th (laughs) anniversary concert Oh so they they may not have parents anymore. Some
1: people don't stay married for fifty years, and they've been abandoned.
0: This for is true. Good for them.
1: That's crazy. Good for
0: them. Um, but yeah, Taylor's parents we've always known have been very supportive. That's why there's not really much to discuss about that section. It's just same same old same old. They're very supportive, very nice people. Uh, next section though is called Gossip Swirl, um, which I know I said we don't really discuss gossip, but this is kind of interesting. One thing it points out is the fact that Taylor is very on top of her gossip now. And the way that this ends up being career related and the way I justify talking about it is because it has to do with her public relations and how she handles her public persona. If you guys remember, what, about a year, two years, three years ago, Taylor made comments all the time about how she never reads about herself. She never reads about herself because if she sees something mean, she'll get hurt. She'll be upset by it. Yet now she knows everything about herself.
1: I mean, maybe that's because I. This is just me talking. I obviously don't know, but um, maybe that's because before, when she was younger, she sort of felt like she didn't know where she fit in. And now, I mean, she's making so much money, and she's like the oh, she biggest was thing then out there. No, but she's like the biggest thing out there now, and. She must know that at least to some level. So I mean, well
0: I that must I think I confidence. think what you're
2: getting at there, Adam, is um I think one of your favorite stories was when Taylor was in Hawaii hanging out with Oh Heim. yeah. And Wait, what, um about there was a papar- When she was
0: in Hawaii with the Heim sisters. Right. Oh Go, yeah. I'll
2: let you tell the story cuz you like it.
0: Um, I do I thought that was one of the most clever things she ever did because it was so funny she had for that long standing thing where Taylor doesn't have a belly button because she would always wear her granny panty bathing suits and things like that and and they would always be the high waisted things and um she was in Hawaii with the Heim sisters on vacation and then posted a photo of all of them together and she was wearing a bikini and it was just funny because you know the whole like Taylor does have a belly button but Then the real story came out about why Taylor posted it, and it was not because of her belly button. Um, It was because her security spotted off in the distance...
1: A boat of paparazzi.
0: Paparazzi with those very long lens cameras. And she took control of the situation. Instead of, like, hiding from it, she took control of the situation and posted the picture first in a high-quality picture, so that way their awful garbage pictures that they took through their zoom lens would camera things they would not not get paid for because well, otherwise a tabloid would pay those guys they'd get a hundred thousand dollars for a picture of taylor in a bikini and instead thi- their pictures yeah. were worthless
1: the thing that's funny about that is just it just shows you how times have changed because if this was like you know 20 20 years ago she wouldn't have been able to do that but now with you know Phones and just just being able to post things online in like you know just just like that she can um, she can um, immediately take control of the situation so
2: just pretty cool. And also, you know her interest in using Tumblr to communicate with fans is is a big one too. I think where in past you know with Twitter you can go and run your account like I'm gonna put out information for you and I'm just. You know, I put it out there and I'm not going to respond to anything. You know, now she goes and she likes things and favorites things and uh, reblogs stuff and all that other kind of stuff. So she's really controlling how she is seen in the in the world. Well, that's exactly why I thought this section was important to
0: discuss, even though it's called Gossip Swirl, is because it really shows how Taylor's taking control of her career and her personal image and her public image rather. Mm Um so that's why I think it's important well, and, and what what about just, her
2: fe- feud with Nicki Minaj from you know about a month ago or whatever the that, that was quickly squashed when the two of them were singing together at the VMAs. Right and they
0: surprised everyone by adding um Bad Blood to the end of Nicki Minaj's performance which was rather well, clever and funny. Um that was an interesting situation that got blown out of proportion I think.
2: But but a lot of that is more under your control. Like, if, if you would see them at the VMAs and they're not talking to each other or whatever, then those rumors continue to swirl and grow and everything else like that. But this way, she sees that stuff. She can squash those things immediately before they grow into big controversies that really don't exist.
0: Right. She and, she and Nikki took control of the situation. That's what they did. You're right, Steve. good call or
2: or, or our future uh, president and vice president, uh, Kanye West and Taylor Swift. I mean
0: Stop. well since since we're mentioning that, <laughs> um, the article actually asked Taylor, the author, the journalist asked Taylor, um, if uh, she and Kanye actually did have a planned collaboration, and she said wouldn't rule it out. We haven't planned anything yet. But hey, I like him as a person, and that's a really good, nice first step. A nice place for us to be. So, speculation time. What would a Kanye-Taylor collaboration sound like?
1: It would sound like Kanye doing a rap, and then Taylor doing a chorus, and then Kanye doing another rap, and Taylor repeating the chorus. So
0: basically like both of us and the Bad Blood remix. You just made a really boring moment that I <laughs> thought would be a really fun question.
1: Well, did you have a better idea? I mean, Kanye just raps, right? He doesn't sing. I mean, maybe Taylor could rap too, but that,
0: I don't know. Kanye totally sings. What are you talking about? Now that, 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 that don't kill me. You know That's
1: me? like rapping, talking with...
0: It's sort of...
2: same, same uh, rhythm. Yeah, but, you know... He's done some record production and everything else like that. I really think that their collaboration could be on a lot of different levels other than, like, here, I sing this verse, you can sing the next okay, verse. that's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would say that if there was a collaboration between the two of them, it would be pretty epic.
0: Yeah, now here's the thing. Kanye is one of the most self-centered, arrogant, mean people in the world. Um <laughs> Really? Well, maybe Taylor not mean, says but he
1: likes him as a person, so he can't be that bad.: Right. He might just like attention and not know how to get it.
0: Uh, i I'm not going to comment. There must the, the be whole something. Point, The whole point I'm getting to is that as an artist, Kanye is really unique and very clever, and Taylor is very unique and very clever. so whatever they would come up with together, were they to come up with something together, would probably be really unique and clever and just really cool yeah okay yeah so since Diane kind of squashed my question there what I
1: do I squash questions
0: (laughs) um she did I thought it was gonna be very clever I just wanted to move on to the last section of the article called backstage class and it was behind the scenes in London if you guys remember London was full of star-studded audience members the Spice Girls were all there and um which is it was just awesome um, and so
1: was um, Emma Watson.
0: And so was Emma Watson. I think a handful of her model friends were there.
2: What, wouldn't that be, just a, just a quick little thought bubble, wouldn't it be crazy if Taylor had the Spice Girls as her special guest? I would cry. <laughs> I mean,
0: if I were there, I,
2: I would cry tears
0: of joy. If I wasn't there, I would cry would tears be, of sorrow.
1: That would be historic because I think the last time the Spice Girls performed together was for like the Olympics clothing, closing Correct. ceremony, right? And that was back in when was that like wasn't that minus posh
2: though victoria beckham i don't think she was there was i I I think that's really the biggest hang-up of them getting back together because there's been all sorts of uh rumors and other things swirling that they may have like a comeback tour coming but it was going to be minus posh well
0: they you know it's really interesting because we talk about taylor now being the biggest thing on the planet um back in the 90s the spice girls were even bigger if you can kind of put that in perspective i know we have a lot of no, I know we have a lot of younger audience members out there that, um, that you know weren't uh, or they um, weren't even alive in the nineties necessarily. Well, but uh, yeah, but yeah, they actually were significantly larger than Taylor. They had bigger sales. They had huge
2: everything, and this was pre-social media. Here, here's something. One of the things I see on uh, online for sale every once in a while is a Spice Girls Polaroid camera. I kid you not, it does exist. So that that's was funny. That that's one. one of their great merchandise items from their era. Steve,
0: my birthday is in six
2: months. I'll keep <laughs> that in mind.
1: Well, Christmas is sooner.
0: Yeah, but Christmas is Steve's birthday. That's true. And that would Christmas. Be, that
1: would be rude to take that away from him.
0: <sighs> Sorry, Steve. It's all good. Did we put you? Did did we, did we call you out
2: there?
1: So, Steve, what's it like having to give presents away on your birthday too? Uh...
2: It's, it's good. I, I enjoy giving presents. That's that's, that's actually good. more fun than receiving. You know, that whole giving versus receiving. Steve is so.
1: such a nice guy.
0: Steve is the nicest person I know. I know. Steve, we get to hang out in a month, buddy. How about that? In Tampa. In Tampa. Ooh. All right. So back to that Vanity Fair article. That backstage, it's really kind of cool seeing behind the scenes of that London show. Um. Now, there was a question in that section. How it fits in that section, I'm not entirely sure. But asking Taylor... That are asking Taylor whose career arc she could see herself emulating as she gets older. And just to clarify, the career arc is the entire sort of length of the career and in a longer sense. So Taylor hasn't quite hit that point yet with the longevity. And without hesitation, Taylor named Oprah Winfrey and Angelina Jolie. Wow. I thought that was very interesting and very unique. She said, if you look at Oprah... She's made so many people happy over the years. She's made so much money, but she's given so much of it away. Same thing with Angelina Jolie. She's been so productive, but she's used that position to better other people's lives. And I think that's where I'd want to be. I want to leave a trail of people behind me who had gotten better opportunities or felt better about themselves because of me or smiled because of me.
1: That's beautiful.
2: So the philanthropy of it, I think, is yeah. a big part of that. But also how influential they are in in the world today. I mean, they both right. have huge, huge influence.
0: They sure do. Um, I just thought it was very unique that Taylor's role models are not in the music industry. And it says a lot about how she runs herself um, as a business.
1: Well, the people that she looks up to are just good people. I don't think it matters what they do or how they made their money she cares more about how they treat people
0: right which is just interesting because she was asked whose career arc she would like to follow so so
1: she sees a career as just like your personhood i guess
0: uh, i guess she sees her career as what legacy she can leave behind as a whole as opposed to um you know how many records she could sell right. or how many fans she could gain and mm-hmm. and
1: how much money she can make. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Exactly. All of those things. So I thought that was just really cool.
1: Yeah. That's very sweet. What a sweet note to end on.
0: Oh, so do you guys have anything else out of that Vanity Fair article? I know I kinda I pulled out a lot of things. I don't I don't know if you guys had anything you liked.
1: Um th- we didn't we never talked about the pictures. Um, but there isn't I guess really that much to say other than she looked great because she looks great and everything Um, but they put hair extensions on her which made me miss her long hair and that's all that's all I have to say about that. well you know
0: it's actually funny I'm glad you brought that up because in the picture she looks very glamorous yes Looks very glamorous, and it's funny because she actually did make a comment that I forgot to mention at the beginning that made me laugh. Um, she said they usually dress me up like a 12-year-old French boy. It's nice to be glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> so, um,
1: I, I wonder what she's talking about. What French boy? I want to see a photo of her looking like a 12-year-old French boy. I don't
2: boy. know. Go look I, at I it. I think old like those figure. striped shirts that she wears and that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know, whatever the case may be. But the pictures are really cool. So um, she looks great in them. Absolutely fabulous. Very high-quality photos. Uh, If that is it for you guys, I guess we'll wrap it up?
2: Yep, let's wrap it up
0: wrapping it up um we're definitely going to link to the online version of this Vanity Fair article so you guys can give it a read at taylor slash episode 193 that's where you'll find the show notes for this episode that Diane slaves over and um oh, works to, very hard on I have to do that
2: still Adam I? I I have a suggestion <laughs> you know we always like to get the comments down below and the um yes sir how about if you would pick one song on 1989 that you think is the least sonically cohesive song of the album. Mm, nice job,
1: Steve.
0: Good Leave question. it in the comments on the show notes, taylortalk dot org slash episode one nine
2: three. And do we all do we all agree that it's "Shake It Off"? Is that what we all seem to feel is ours? Yeah. Now everybody's gonna go comment, be like, "Shake it off, shake it off,
0: shake it off." Shake
1: well, it off. tell me why, though. Don't just give me a song.
0: Tell me why.
1: <laughs> there you go. Ta-da. There you go.
0: All right, guys, so that wraps it up for the Vanity Fair discussion. On to the minis. The minis are back by popular demand. Actually, they never really left. We just didn't have time in past episodes to do them. Um, <laughs> so the mini segments, you know you're a Swifty when and, and if Swifties ruled the world, all submitted by you guys. Diane, would you mind reading us our very first submission of the episode?
1: I will. This one is from Rachel via email, and she says, you know you're a Swifty when you're at the gym and you always pick the number 13 Locker yeah good choice
0: all right next one you know you're swifty when your knees just stop working because you're so overwhelmed with everything taylor does and that comes from you are in love on taylor connect we have one of those still what's the taylor connect what's a taylor connect i thought there
1: was just twitter and tumblr
0: you are in love thanks for bringing that back taylor connect (laughs) we do have one of those Mm -hmm. username taylortalk13
2: you know you're a Swifty when your teacher turns on the radio in Home Ec and Wildest Dreams is on, so you stop what you're doing and strain to hear what part of the song it is so you can sing along. True story. And that was from That's Beth cool. via email.
1: This one comes from Devin via email. You know you're a Swifty when you, you found old coloring of Taylor from when you were younger. Oh. Oh.
0: Picture it didn't happen.
1: Do they make Taylor Swift coloring books? Yes. Do they really? We learned
0: that in a past episode when someone submitted it, it, it as part of a mini segment thing. They said something about, you know, you're a Swifty when you have a Taylor Swift coloring book. Or, I want one. <sighs> no, they have it. They have it. And it is, in fact, for sale. Um, it exists. All right. Ava texted us and said, you know, you're a Swifty when you see Taylor's Vanity Fair photo shoot. And it makes you question your sexuality.
1: Really, Adam? <laughs> hmm
0: it was ava texted it to us what's wrong with it um it just speaks to exactly what we were talking about earlier with her photo shoot so
1: funny
2: we'll go with it you know you're swifty when anyone mentions 15 or 22 and you just want to burst into a song and that came from luke via email
1: very cool. This one comes from Beth via email. You know you're swifty when you'll always remember your 13th birthday because it was the same weekend as the Bad Blood music video coming out and Rockin' Rio. P.S. Love your podcast.
0: How cool! Billboard weekend, right?
1: I don't think the Bad Blood music video coming out and Rockin' Rio was the same weekend. Yeah, it was.
0: It was? I can tell you how I know that, actually, okay. because here's how I know this. Diane, you oh. and me, and actually my mom, the three of us went to Rock and Rio to see Taylor.
1: That was that intense week, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. Okay. So we yeah. went to Rock and Rio to see Taylor on was it Friday night? Yes. Friday. Yeah, Friday night. Then Sunday night was the Billboard Awards, and I had two tickets, and I had nobody to go with because you were back in California with your family. Did you take your mom? Uh, my mom came for part of it, but then she had to leave early because she had another show to go to. <laughs> Your mom's oh, um, popular.
2: She,
0: she went to, well, she had tickets to a show with my dad that they were going to. And um, I had the two tickets to the billboard, no one to go with. And I kept like texting people. I even texted people in nearby states. <laughs> like I texted people in California, Arizona. Can I'm like, is here? there any way you can drive in this weekend? Cause I have this ticket. Um, and, and no one was able to make it. It was really disappointing. Oh. So I went with my mom and I saw the premiere of Bad Blood music video with my mom.
1: Nice. And and Taylor Swift in the audience somewhere. And
0: Taylor Swift. I Technically, I saw that video premiere with Taylor Swift. I was not near her, but I was in the same room. Wow. So silly. Counts for something, right? Aren't you cool? Yeah. <laughs> you jealous? <laughs> no. You could have been there if you didn't have to go back to California. Whatever. All right. Last one of the episode... Um, You know you're Swifty when you have a different Polaroid of Taylor on each of your school binders so you can tell which one it is. You can say, oh, that's out of the woods. English binder.
1: I'm so happy that this person is um, organized because my students are not.
0: And that came in the form of a text message from someone who did not leave their name in that text message. So just a word of advice. If you are going to text us and I know a lot of listeners are like, wait a second, we can text you. Yes, you can text us. The phone number is area code two four zero thirty one swift If you text that number, be sure to include your name so we can credit you for your submission. Sound good?
2: Good. Excellent. All right.
0: Thank you to everybody who sent those in. Came from a nice variety of sources. You guys are reaching out through all these different things. I'm glad we have all different ways you can reach us. Of course, email. You guys know us podcast at tailortalk.org. Uh, Taylor Connect username TaylorTalk13, and also text message was used this episode. That's area code two four zero thirty one Swift. Moving right along, what are Swifties listening to? If anyone's new to the show, this is a segment where you guys get to introduce the other audience members to music that you are cranking on your iPod besides Taylor, because we know that one's a given. This week's submission is a voicemail from Glenna. Glenna, please.
1: Hi, it's Lena, and today I will be suggesting a song for What Are Swifties Listening To? And Swifties are listening to Sam Hunt House Party. I highly suggest anything from Sam Hunt. He's really good. And, um, bye. I love Sam Hunt. I love this song.
0: Are you sure? You didn't I sound do. that enthusiastic there. I am.
1: There. I am. I'm excited um, about Sam Hunt. Sam Hunt
0: is pretty great. He's pretty awesome, and, and he's a good, he's a Great artist, and he actually has a show here in Vegas in a couple months. And I tried to get tickets; it was sold out months really? in advance. You
1: need to try harder.
0: <laughs> try harder. Well, try they have harder. him on StubHub for like three and four hundred dollars, but I'm not paying Taylor Swift level prices for I Sam Hunt. Why? I got because <laughs> I mean he's a talented artist, but. I know his production will not be to the same level Taylor's is, and therefore I don't think it's worth the, the same value.
2: Exactly. He's no. pretty good, though. I saw you him at CMA know? Fest. He SC, he put on a Steve good knows. show.
1: Perhaps we will look into it.
2: Yep.
0: Did he put on, Steve, did he put on um three and
2: $400 level ticket shows, show good level? Uh, well, I mean, CMA Fest, they only get to do a couple of songs, but he did do House Party, and, and it was good. And He uh, can rock the flannel and the straight-brimmed hat very well, so... Ooh, hats, hats.
1: With the flannel hats and straight brim. No, hats?
2: no, no. F- like a flannel shirt, and you know, oh, you know how you get a hat, yes. like when it's brand new and you don't bend the brim on it. That's kind of how he likes to roll. So,
0: oh, ah, I see. Yeah. Thank you for the fashion advice, Steve. <laughs> Appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> All right, guys. If you want to leave us a voicemail, just like Glenna did, there's two ways you can do it. That number from earlier: two four zero thirty one Swift as well as on our website. So if you are international and don't want to call a U.S. number and get those international rates, you're more than welcome to go to taylortalk.org. There's a button on the side that says leave a voicemail, and you can do it directly on the website. There's no long-distance charges or anything like that. It's done directly on the web. Look forward to hearing from you guys. So coming up in ty- – I was about to say Tyler. Tyler? I cannot speak this episode. Who's Tyler? Tyler Swift. <sighs> That's what they call Taylor in, in Australia, apparently. It's Tyler. You know, Aussies. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> Love them. Uh, so <laughs> coming up in Taylor's calendar, Tyenne, can you please let us know what Taylor's got going on?
1: Yes. On September 28th, the 1989 World Tour is going to St. Louis, Missouri. On October 2nd, it is going to Toronto as well as on October 3rd. So two nights in Toronto. And then... It is going to Des Moines, Iowa on October 8th, and then October 9th and 10th, it will be in Omaha, Nebraska.
0: Omaha, Nebraska. Thank you, guys. Uh, oh, my goodness, this episode. Thank you, you, you Diane.
1: tripping over your words.
0: Lack of sleep does it to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some quick shout-outs before we get going. We got some new reviews on iTunes, and I want to say thank you to these people. Um... First one cu- came from Dankamimer13, titled their review, Best T-Swift Podcast, Probably Best Fandom Podcast, which is Ooh. a huge honor, so thank you. That was a five-star review. And uh, this individual says, Everyone on the show is wonderful, especially Steve. He's the best. Please, Ooh. please get him on the show more often. He's the feather in your cap. You have no idea how much his personality adds to the show. Steve, how much did you pay this guy? I, I don't or, know, drunk?
2: but um, thank you. <laughs>
0: Oh, this, part- Diane, I bet you that is Steve.
1: I know. I was just going to say, did Steve write this?
0: Pretty sure that was Steve. I'm pretty sure it wasn't me. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that five-star review. Also, Country Girl 1215 left us five stars saying, awesome. I usually don't listen to podcasts, but this is my first time listening to a whole podcast. I love Taylor Swift, and I love listening to people who also love her talk about her. I listened to the podcast that broke down the meaning of Bad Blood remix with Kendrick Lamar, and it really opened my mind because I had never gone that deep into understanding the meaning of rap lyrics. I think it was a great analysis, and it totally made sense. Great job. Thank you, Country Girl 1215. Um, We've gotten actually several comments in the last couple months about people who really enjoy our song analyses, and it really opens their mind.
1: I I feel like that is our strongest part of the show. Which is difficult because there are only so many songs that we can talk about. Well,
0: I was just going to say the reason I am so appreciative to all of you who have said that is I feel like that is the ultimate compliment because the direction we do try and take this show is not just, you know, the whole screaming fan. Oh, my God, Taylor, I love you. But really discussing Taylor's music and her career as a whole on sort of an intellectual and academic level, Um, you know, not meaning to make it boring like school time, but. You know, trying to really dig into her lyrics and things like that, and really open up not only your minds but our own minds um, among our panel members to different potential meanings and interpretations of songs. So I feel like reviews like that are really like the ultimate compliment, and I, I really, really appreciate that. So thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: And then last one was by Laughing Cat Face, Winky Face, Tongue Sticking Out Face, and are you Sunglass reading Face.
1: Reading all the. Emoticons or whatever
0: you call Yeah, they didn't emojis. leave a name. They just left the little emoji faces as their name. <laughs> so cool. uh, whoever this is said, hey, y'all, I love this podcast. I'm a weekly listener. This podcast is so informative and entertaining. All my friends and family are like, wow, you know a lot about Taylor Swift. I love the mini segment so much, especially Dear Taylor. We need to get some Ooh, of those we back. We some haven't even
1: really – Done, dear Taylor, that much. So that's keep nice up the good
2: work. Do you want to explain the dear it? Taylor premise, just in case people are not aware? Yeah, about
0: what the dear Taylor, what the dear Taylor segment is is quite often we get emails, voicemails, text messages, etc. Uh, from people who think that they are reaching out directly to Taylor. And not realizing they're messaging us instead. And sometimes we come across ones. A lot of them are really like I kind of feel bad because they're like, Taylor, you've really inspired me. You've impacted my life, etc. But then some are just so off the wall and crazy that we like to share it with you guys because it makes us laugh and it makes um, a lot of the audience members laugh. And so it's just really funny. And, and so we'll have to try and dig through the emails and things and see if we can find a funny one for next week or next episode rather. What do you think, Steve? Sounds great. Yeah, so thank you again to everybody who left us a positive review. All three of these new reviews are really um, really mean a lot to us and, and really help help us know how we're doing. Um, if you would like to leave us a review on the show, let us know how we're doing, what you like, what uh, could be improved upon. Whatever you want to let us know, you can do so at taylortalk.org slash iTunes. That'll take you directly to our iTunes page where you can leave a review and let us know all that fun stuff like these three folks did. And we'd really appreciate the feedback. So thank you to anyone who takes time to do that. Do you guys have anything else to say for this episode? I think it's time
2: to say goodbye.
1: Yeah, it's time to say goodbye.
0: It's time to say goodbye to bid you adieu. Adieu. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, so for episode 193 of Taylor Talk, the Taylor Swift podcast, this has been Adam, Diane, and Steve saying have a great couple weeks, guys. We'll see you all next time. Bye bye.
1: Bye. See you. This podcast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift.